You are listening to Explore by the Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Hello, my name is Richard Moore. I'm with Lionel Burney. Hello, Lionel. Hello, Richard. And we are here to introduce episode three of Explore in this little mini-series in November. Uh, where are we, though, Lionel? Well, we are at the Flandrian Hotel near to Brakel in Flanders in Belgium. And uh, it's a cycling-themed hotel. And we're standing in the courtyard next to a, well, it's an original uh, 1970s Peugeot car, which has been uh, made up into... Uh, a very, very convincing replica of a Peugeot team car from the era. It's got the black and white checkerboard down the side, the service course wording, the SO logo, the Michelin logo. Beautiful vehicle. Lovely. And uh, we have just been out for a bike ride, a gentle hour-long bike ride. Nothing like some of the rides we're covering in this series of Explore. Last week we heard from Mark Bowman with his audio diary from GB Duro, a quite incredible event that kind of harks back to the very roots of uh, stage racing, you know, the four very long stages on and off road. Uh, Mark was the winner of that race, and he uh, really enjoyed listening to his audio diary. We heard from some of the other riders taking part in that um, as well. This week, we've got something very different again, haven't we? We have. We're we're handing over the microphone to one of our producers, one of our producer editors, Adam Bowie, who came on board a few years ago when we asked if there were any audio producers out there who wanted to help put together the cycling podcast. And he sent in as his kind of audition tape the Matt White look mega mix, which made us laugh and uh, still making me laugh to this day i mean it was it was very well crafted very well put together and uh adam has made some beautiful episodes of the cycling podcast and so when he suggested that he might want to make an episode of explore we were all ears well we don't want to give anything away about this episode but it is an extraordinary bit of audio i mean as you'd expect from our producers it's beautifully recorded the sound quality is is incredible we've got Yet more to learn from Adam, um, who's been giving us tips for the last few years. But um, this is beautifully put together. It's an incredible story, a a very personal story, as well as a story of adventure. Um, So we'll cross over to Adam. But it's nice to give this stage, I suppose, to one of our producers, because they are in the background working really, really hard and helping us throughout the year. Adam's one of our four or five producers who is working night after night on Grand Tour episodes, etc. So, well, we're delighted that Adam uh, wanted to do this and tell his story in the Cycling Podcast. I'm very, very flattered as well. So, without further ado, shall we cross over to Adam Bowie? Hi, let me introduce myself, as mine is a voice you won't recognise. I'm Adam Bowie, and I've been a producer on the Cycling Podcast for the last five years or so. My job is mostly done sitting at a desk in front of a computer, like this one, digitally splicing audio sent in remotely, trying to make something for you to enjoy. But a few months ago, I challenged myself to ride the King Alfred's Way, a new bikepacking route in the south of England that runs for about 350 kilometres. That followed an interesting year or so for me, but I'll get into that later in this episode of Explore. In the meantime, this is my audio diary of that trip. find me in the rain alongside Winchester Cathedral. It's Midsummer's Day or the summer solstice and you wouldn't really know it. There's been a drizzle all day long and it doesn't look like it's going to let up. It's a grey clouds. Uh, Sunset might be insanely late tonight but you're just not going to see the sun today I don't think. The King Alfred's Way is a new long-distance bikepacking route that was developed by Cycling UK. And it starts and finishes here in Winchester, where the Anglo-Saxon King Alfred is buried. It's a circular route that takes in Salisbury and its famous cathedral, Stonehenge, Avebury, Marlborough, Reading, Petersfield, and then it kind of loops back into Winchester 
In total, it's about 350 kilometers, with the route, according to the guidebook, being about 80 to 85 percent off-road. Sections of the route are along uh, existing well-known cycle paths from the mountain biking community and so on, so there's parts of it that are going to be along the Ridgeway, some of it's along the South Downs Way. It's going to be an interesting job to tackle it. I'm planning on doing it in about four days, with my first day, which will be tomorrow, being the biggest, about 130 kilometres. But we'll talk more about the exact route as we go. Stonehenge and Salisbury are my first stop, and they're about 40 kilometres from here. As I say, first thing this morning, the crack of dawn, various druidic types were down at Stonehenge, as they are every year, celebrating the solstice. But the wet weather, I must admit, would probably have put, put me off getting up there. It's, it's kind of uh, a bit arbitrary, actually, that I happen to be here on the solstice. It was just the dates worked for this uh, particular trip. I'm doing the, the ride as a combination of camping and a couple of nights in hotels. I was all up for camping the whole way round, but it's actually quite hard to find campsites that are on this route. Hopefully a few more will pop up. I could have gone really off-piste and done a bit of wild camping, but I've not done that for quite some time, and technically it is illegal in England, so unless you're on the unless you're on Dartmoor, unless you have and unless you have the landowner's permission. So I'm not doing that. Um, my two campsites are booked there were a few other campsites but annoyingly they wanted a minimum of two or even three night stays which doesn't really help when you're trying to do a cycle route and you want to stop for the night but anyway yeah I've got all my kit so a tent, sleeping bag uh, various bits of clothes and food I've managed to attach on some bike into some bike packing bags but I'll talk more about the kit once we get going i'll also get into a little bit more about me because i've had what some might find hopefully a fairly interesting and eventful uh last 15 or so months during uh the pandemic lockdown and um, basically i used it as an excuse to get fit and as a consequence i am a somewhat smaller and I hope healthier person than I was before so I'll, I'll talk a bit about that and I'll, I'll sort of explain how I achieved what I've achieved and yeah it's sort of my goals my reasons for doing what I was doing and my ob- objectives but again we'll get into that I think a little bit as we go along don't want to spoil the story want to keep the suspense going So yeah, I will leave you with the peaceful sounds of Winchester Cathedral in the drizzle and I will no doubt crossfade to a lovely piece of library music. Okay, today is Tuesday and the first day of my ride proper. I've come back to the cathedral because the ride basically starts at the cathedral. Uh, The weather is better than yesterday, but that said, I've already felt tiny few droplets on my sunglasses as I rolled out of the hotel this morning. I'm most worried about the fact that it's been raining fairly solidly for about the last three or four days and what that's done to all the bridleways and uh, off-road parts of the ride, particularly today, because there's not a great deal of sun around to burn any of that water off. Next couple of days, we should get the weather forecast is a bit more encouraging and um, hopefully the sun will do its best and remove some of that water. And uh, last night as I was returning to the hotel from a 
much needed chicken katsu curry. I saw some fellow cyclists arriving at the hotel looking like they'd been fighting in the trenches of the First World War. They were quite muddy and wet, and I can only think they had completed a long cycle ride. But anyway, at the moment, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, and I want to get a nice early start. There's an England match this evening to encourage me to get there. Uh, although quite where I end up watching that, I don't know. I really hope it's not going to be on my phone or even could be listening to the radio. I brought a radio just in case. Anyway, I best crack on and I will report to you a bit later. Okay, so about 25k in now, and there is definitely mud on this route. Quite a lot of mud. It's not totally impassable, only one section so far. I've had to get off and push my bike around because uh, I'd just be wading through thick mud. I am very glad I made the last minute decision to ditch the pair of tyres, set of tyres that I had plan to use which have a small amount of grip but nothing too much and send away for some maxis big beefy tires 40 millimeters frankly probably should have chosen the 45 millimeter ones and even then they're only coping with the mud so much uh, i'm having to get quite used to the rear wheel just floating around a certain amount because obviously that's got my weight uh, I've got my um, seat pack as well out back there although I tried to pack all the heavier stuff in the frame bag yeah that's uh, proving interesting the mud's already also clogged up my front disc brake a bit so uh, that's not brilliant I'm hoping I can sort that out at some point maybe it just needs to be declogged declagged of mud I don't know but yeah anyway so over halfway to Salisbury now so she'll tra- carry on trying to make good progress uh, the path I'm on at the moment is nice and dry actually but that's because I'm high up on a ridge having just climbed up a fairly steep very lumpy 13-14% wooded holloway type of climb which is very pretty, but uh, yeah, I had to get into the bottom gear for that just because it's so technical. It was so technical, and you're carrying all your kit with you as well. It'd be fine on a mountain bike. A lot of this stuff would be fine on a mountain bike, but lots of reading up on this route in advance, they suggested you didn't do it on a mountain bike. I'm sure it's doable, but um, it was designed very much as a bike packing sort of narrower bars and that kind of thing that you'd get with a, a bike packing bike so we'll see um but so far uh, i've probably done okay with my mountain bike to be perfectly honest so let's crack on to salisbury and i'll leave you with the wind on this ridge path and some of the birds singing just stopped at uh, an old mill the water which uh, the river here is in spate is that the word is that what you mean when it's really high up there's also some little ducklings making a noise lots of bird life we've got some blue sky now as well so it's all rather lovely yeah just think of this as a moment of slow radio 
the cycling podcast powered by super sapiens energy management for committed athletes and coaches and now you can wear the super sapiens energy band the first and only wearable that can display real-time glucose data directly from abbott's LibreSense glucose sport biosensor the Super Sapiens Energy Band is available at supersapiens.com for €159. Euros. Thank you very much to Super Sapiens title sponsor to the Cycling Podcast and all our shows, including Explore. Super Sapiens allows you to continuously monitor your blood glucose levels, enabling you to learn more and make informed choices about fueling. And they've just launched a new energy band which sits on your wrist and syncs directly with the Abbott Libra Sense glucose sport biosensor via bluetooth to display minute by minute glucose data for more information on super sapiens go to supersapiens.com quarter past 12 and i'm sitting at a junction of fargo road which uh, makes me think of minnesota rather than the salisbury plains but uh it's kind of overlooking stonehenge so stonehenge is off mile and a half away from me so yeah so 56k in out of 130 so a little bit under halfway and it's going pretty well I've just crossed the delightful A303, uh, the controversial A303, because there's finally going to be a tunnel around these parts, although even building the tunnel is controversial because of uh, some of the archaeology around here. So now I face crossing Salisbury Plain, basically. Haven't seen too many other cyclists out and about I did pass a couple who were bike packing with their mountain bikes going the other direction. But aside from that, I've not seen anyone apart from a few people on the lanes who are, uh, including one chap who was getting up a hill at a fair old whack until I realised he had an e-bike. <laughs> lots of runners though. Lots of runners. Lots of people running what must be considerable distances because there's long gaps between the villages in these parts next stop hopefully i'll be much closer to my campsite for this evening Okay, end of day one, or day two, I don't know. Anyway, end of the first leg proper. It took me, I left at eight o'clock in the morning. I got to the campsite at 6 p.m. in the evening. It's about 10 hours then. Didn't stop a great deal either, really. I didn't have a proper lunch. About to go and try and get some food now. 10 hours on the bike makes me think a little bit of Ian Boswell and his uh, Unbound, was it, that he did over 10 hours that he won. I was not putting out the kind of power doing the kind of uh, thing he was doing, but I was on the bike for about the same amount of time. And it was mostly off-road too. That was, they said, 80 to 85% and they weren't kidding. But yeah, actually, I don't feel too bad and... uh, Saw a lot more cyclists in the second half of the ride too. Once we got to the Ridgeway, a lot more cyclists. Variety of bikes, probably more mountain bikes than gravel bikes. Then again, I saw a few people on some road bikes with not particularly thick tyres trying to get through some quite nasty mud. Because there was mud, and I got muddy. Yeah, you have to learn how to deal with it. And as I said before, that means your bike does shift around a bit with you and you just have to go with it particularly when you're in ruts so there's a lot of um, 
rutted roadways that sort of because there's so many byways and lots of sort of four by fours and things have been through they make some quite deep ruts and you once you're in one you're kind of stuck in it particularly if you're going downhill or going a pace and you can't really get out of it um, there's a certain amount of unclipping one foot I'm copying the techniques so I've seen the likes of Matthew Banderpol and Walt Van Art do and when they're racing cross uh, with that whole kind of stick a leg out to maintain your balance because you do have to maintain your balance because you can go over quite easily anyway that was the queen stage of this uh, little mini adventure I don't have any more days of that length tomorrow's should be somewhat less the sounds you hear are me walking through the forest it's a nice little wood that attached to this campsite that lets me walk back into Marlborough I think you say Marlborough not Marlborough yeah get some food try and see if I can see some football or listen to it I don't know and then uh, on to tomorrow. Shoot, uh, shoot at l'arrière du peloton, cycling podcast, team car, at the back of the pack, please. That's Seb PK, the voice of Radio Tour, interrupting this episode of Explore to remind us to tell you that it is supported by... Le Parcours Professionnel. Le parcours professionnel. What are you doing, Richard? Le parcours professionnel. It's supported by Babel, Lionel, and that, that's, you just caught me in the middle of a French lesson. Uh, would you believe it? I've been using Babel for a couple of years now to improve my French, and it really, it really does work. Um, it's had a big effect on my French. It's allowed, I live in France now, so it's had a, a, real, um, a real value to me, and I've, I've really noticed my progress. As you can hear there, that wasn't actually me talking. That was the app itself, but that's the kind of thing I'm learning. Have you been combining the lessons with any other kind of learning? Well, living living there <laughs> and trying to trying to buy things in shops and so on. Um, but it's the thing about Babel is it's it's fun. It's it's a um, very effective way of learning, but it's also a fun way of learning. And so it's not something that you put off. It's not something that you sort of dread at all. Um, it's actually a moment in the evening. I usually do it um, just after we put our son down to bed. 15 minutes or two lessons over maybe 25 or 30 minutes of actually, you know, stimulating and, and fun lessons, which uh, I enjoy. And, and I do feel they're making a big difference to my French in terms of my vocabulary and using phrases that actually um, are useful, um, you know, in day to day conversations and shops and so on. So as I say, Lionel, Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language. They design their courses with practical real-world conversations in mind things that you get to use in everyday life. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts, real people, so you do learn useful vocabulary and not meaningless phrases. Babbel's teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective across multiple studies. It's available as an app or online, and your progress will be synced across all devices. Babbel recently launched their own learning podcast as well, so you can brush up on your Spanish or French while cooking or exercising. And you can choose from 14 different languages. I know you've tried Italian. Uh, there's also Spanish, French, German, and others. Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and your accent. And that is a, a key thing. If you don't say it correctly, um, then you get another uh, shot at doing it again. Right now, Babbel is offering our listeners six months free with a purchase of a six-month subscription with the promo code CYCLING. Go to uk.babble.com slash play and use the promo code cycling for an extra six months free. That's uk.babbel.com forward slash play promo code cycling. Listener, I did not see any football, instead choosing to listen to it on my phone rather than fight my way into a Marlborough pub. 
While I listened, I picked up some food from the nearby, very quiet, Tesco, a few employees of which were sitting outside watching the game on their phones, and I headed back to the camp and cooked some burgers while England beat the Czech Republic 1-0. Incidentally, if like me, you hadn't used a particular tent in a few years, it might have been smart to check out how it is assembled before you head out with it. Fortunately, I puzzled it out. The next morning, after a fairly decent night's sleep, 10 hours on a bike will do that for you, I packed up camp and was waved cheerily off by the campsite manager. My first stop was a local BP station, where I happily paid £2 to use their jet wash to clean my bike up a bit. Yes, I know, industrial strength jet washes and bikes aren't the perfect combination, and you could perhaps wash out all the grease from bearings and so on, but I needed to remove a lot of mud, and the jet wash was perfect for that. Even better, it sorted out my troublesome front disc brake. I relubed my chain and was soon on my way back onto the Ridgeway, where my first stop mid-morning was Uffington Castle, an Iron Age hill fort that sits on top of White Horse and Dragon Hill and has amazing views across to both Swindon in the west and Oxford in the east. I should give you a bit of my background. Um which maybe put some of this into context. I've always been a cyclist, but I was a cyclist who ate quite a lot and had to go for the larger sizes, shall we say. I was not ordering too many Italian-made cycling jerseys uh, where you need to put so many X's in front of the L to get anything that you can vaguely get the zipper done up on. So yeah, I was pretty overweight, obese, technically. If you go onto the NHS website and do the uh, do their uh, height and weight thing for your for your gender, I was over three hundred pounds in uh, American money, over one hundred and thirty kilos, closer to one hundred and thirty seven, one hundred and thirty eight kilos, in fact. Frankly, in the lockdown, it was getting worse. Uh, I found that. I live on my own. Uh, I was able to carry on working remotely, um, but that meant every pretty vast number of my social interactions were basically Zoom calls. And at the same time, I had a lot more time on my hands. So, as I say, I've always been a cyclist. I've done sportives, done Ride London a couple of times. I'm not, not going to break any records doing them, or hadn't broken any records doing them. Uh, when Cycling Podcast did a ride up in Harrogate, I was there. If you were, if you were up there, I was on that ride. Although I came in somewhere towards the end, and Daniel actually sprinted up that final hill faster than I could cycle it. So yeah, and I, I have a Brompton, which I use as part of my commute every day. So I've not been utterly unfit, um, but nonetheless overweight, massively overweight. So. I started a bit of a regime back in August last year, August 2020. And that was in part because I had some time on my hands. You lose the commute, that's a, you gain a couple of hours every day. You know, in those times when we really couldn't go far from our homes, um, I really cherished the parkland and footpaths and things that were close to where I live. And I could get out on my bike as well and push a bit further away. And uh, I made the most of that time. But also, frankly, you couldn't help but notice that a lot of the people who were getting caught quite badly by COVID were those with, um, who were overweight. And so, yeah, I'd always kidded myself I was going to lose some weight, but I really sort of put that... That was sort of enough to push me over the edge. So I got out a pair of smart scales that I bought a few years back and um, smart scales in case you don't know that you, that you weigh yourself on them and then it sort of pings off to the cloud somewhere um, and I set it up so it just went into a Google spreadsheet basically because I found fairly quickly that measuring myself repeatedly was the best incentive you know, in, 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 in simple terms, I actually ended up putting a spreadsheet together that just tracked my daily weight. Basically, every morning I'd weigh myself. 
that might be a good thing. That might be a bad thing. I know if you do things like Weight Watchers or whatever, you have weekly weigh-ins and so on. I was doing it daily. Of course, it's not going to go down every day. But, um, yeah, that was the start. Then I added to that, obviously, is diet. I was pretty strict on my diet. I don't drink an awful lot of alcohol at home anyway. And so seeing as I was spending a lot of time at home, that was out of it. But I had been eating bad food. Um, you go to your local convenience store, whatever, it's full of high calories, high saturated fat foods. And I was eating a lot of those. So had to change their diet substantially. Didn't, stick, didn't go with any particular diet. I just started eating more healthily, eating more veg, that kind of thing. Uh, maybe slightly less red meat, but uh, need to get the protein as well. So I started doing that. Then I, I was cycling the whole time, but I started actually making better use of my indoor turbo trainer. During the early part of the lockdown, I'd been doing a certain amount on that and finally getting use of my Zwift membership because I was not doing it that frequently. But now I really was doing several sessions a week on Zwift. And as the weather got was nice, you know, you'd be outside as well. And on top of that, I decided to start Couch to 5K running. So I've never really been much of a runner. Well, I was a, did a bit of cross-country at school. By the way, you should know I'm just the wrong side of 50. And back in 99, actually, a group of us at work did uh, the London Marathon. But we did it from a kind of standing start, four months' worth of training, did the marathon. I got round, but whether I, you could honestly say I ran it is, is, is questionable. So I know that I've got... But I do know that I've got... I can run, if you like, but 1999 is a long time ago now, and I hadn't done any running since then. So I did the NHS Couch to 5K app. Uh, you do it over nine weeks. I did it over nine weeks. To be honest, I could have probably done it faster, but I stuck with it and got my 5K. And then I carried on running and got up to 10K, and at this point, the longest, furthest I've done was I did run a half marathon, just out running. But I try and get out for a run two or three times a week now, and then do cycling on many of the other days. Quite a lot of exercise, but I still have to keep up the diet. Anyway, what's the result of all of that? Well, I started in August. The running started basically in September. I've been cycling all the way through but I started properly tracking myself and I've lost uh, about 57 kilos. So that's about nine stone. I am around 82 kilos as I speak now, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. Don't know, I've not weighed myself while I've been out doing this trip. 88 is a standard weight for my height. I'm about 6'2". So I am a healthy weight. Although I think if people saw me, they might think I was quite skinny, in fact, now. I do have a bit of a stretch target of getting to about 80 kilos. But if I don't get to 80 kilos, I won't be too disheartened. I've tracked the weight all the way through and it makes a lovely downwards chart, a downwards graph. And that's all the way through has been um, my driver, if you like, looking at that... Uh, looking at that chart and the satisfaction that I was able to do it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm down to now, I don't know how heavy I was when I was a student, but my gene size is about the gene size that I was as a student. So uh, I think I am the lightest I've been for more than 30 years <laughs> when push comes to shove. So, yeah, that, that's, that's where I am now. Um, there are some downsides of all of this it's expensive because none of my clothes fit so I currently have at home because I'm trying to find a charity that will take them four bags of large cycling gear none of which that fits me I've had to buy all new cycling gear and indeed all new other clothes because literally none of my clothes fit me that's both great because 
suddenly I can buy clothes in shops without them sort of saying, oh, the uh, larger sizes are available online. But it's also actually been quite complicated because you're trying to buy something and then you think, oh, I might get a bit lighter than this. You know, my chest size is coming down, so maybe maybe one, one size smaller in a month or so's time. But anyway, that's a nice problem to have. So yeah, so, so that's been the driving thing. And the, the results have been... Um, amazing i mean my i've always i've always known that you know getting super lightweight bike gear wasn't really necessary for me because frankly the next kilo that i could lose was not going to come from a new frame it was going to come from me and uh that's been all the way down and it means that you know i only have to look at my strava segments or whatever to see how i'm doing they've just improved massively last week there's a there's a local little tester hill climb shall we say it's only a few hundred meters long, but it's a quite little sharp 10%, 12% gradient. And, um, you know, God, I, I used to have to drop to the small ring to um, climb it. Now, absolutely big ring all the way. And last week, uh, I noticed a guy time trialing into it. So I jumped onto him, but he wasn't going fast enough for me, even though he was in his time trial position. So I used him to spring out of uh, his slipstream and then really, really attack that hill. I've attacked it many times, but this time I really attacked it. And I am now ninth on the all-time Strava leaderboard for that hill, which is astonishing. And frankly, if he'd gone a bit faster, not no, no, uh, no disrespect to the guy, but if he'd pulled his weight... Um, I think I could have shaved a few more seconds off of uh, he'd hit the foothills, if you like, of that little mini hill <laughs> a bit faster. So yeah, ninth out of nine odd thousand people who've done that um, over however many years Strava's been going. So I will take that. As I say, I'm not a 65 kilo micro climber, so I don't think I'm ever going to be that kind of rider. But actually, medium-sized hills, smaller hills, I can really attack. And I've got, I still do quite a lot of swifting, even as the weather gets better, because um, things like Alp du Zwift are quite fun to do. Yeah, really. Um, I can get sort of a few minutes under an hour on uh, Alp du Zwift now. And uh, I did Vontu in about an hour and a half, or the, uh, the Zwift version. So now I'd like to do those in real life when we're able to travel again because I would have been scared stupid even trying one of those now whereas as it stands yeah I'll give those a go I'll give those a go anyway I've been rambling on a little bit too much about myself but I hope that puts some of this stuff in context even when I was larger I still would have attempted a ride like this I might not have enjoyed 130k yesterday if I had been another 50 plus kilos heavier than I am and I'm not sure my bike would have enjoyed that at all either anyway this is just absolutely gorgeous up here on top of this hill you can see for miles around in every direction there's Swindon way over that way uh, and then the rolling hills looking southwards you can see why the Iron Age, uh, Iron Age ancestors decided to put a fort up here. Yeah, nice, very defensively strong point. That's Seb PK again to remind me to tell you that this episode is also supported by Beer 52, our friends who put together bespoke craft beer cases that can be delivered to your door. Well, what's better than eight beers, Lionel? Nine beers or ten beers? Ten is the correct oh. answer, yes. The festive season is upon us, and in the spirit of giving and charity, Beer 52 are offering listeners ten free beers. All you have to do is go to www.beer52.com cycle and cover £5.95 for postage to claim your free case. 
Do it before the 17th of December and get two extra beers. That's two extra beers. We are currently in Flanders, home of lots of beers. Often the beers from here make it into the Beer 52 cases, don't they? Have you had a, a particular favourite the last couple of nights, Lionel? You, you've had one or two. Well, I, a new one for me, actually, Weezer. Um, W-E-I-Z-E, which uh, I'd not sampled before. But the beauty of the Beer 52 case is that it does the picking and choosing for you. And it puts together a case of beers that surprise and delight and also complement each other. And uh, it's a way of basically exploring the world of beers without leaving your home. Well, Beer 52 send their experts around the globe to find the best beer available anywhere on the planet. Each month their members receive a new case, usually from a different part of the world. Members have had beer from more than 40 countries across five continents. So get yourself a treat in time for Christmas. Impress friends, family and dinner guests with a a cast of happy IPAs, crisp craft lagers or sumptuous stouts or a combination of all of them. If dark beer is not your thing, simply choose the light option. And as well as a delicious beer, you'll receive Ferment magazine which delves into the beers, breweries and a theme. You'll also get two delicious snacks to wash down with the beer. After redeeming your first case, you'll join the monthly beer club at £24 per month, but there's no minimum commitment. You can pause or cancel at any time. So again, if you want to take advantage of this offer, go to beer52.com slash cycle. That's B-E-E-R 52, the numbers 5 and 2, dot com slash cycle. Cover the £5.95 for postage to claim your free case. All the details in the show notes. Let's get you up to speed. This is the third day of my ride, and now I'm hoping the final day of my ride. Well, it will be. Come on, mate. It will be. Uh, I'll come back to that in a sec. Yeah, finished off the ride yesterday, which was nearly all off-road, so I thought it was 70k. turned out to be 80k. And apart from a few hundred metres right at the very start... Uh, before you get on a really nice uh, bike path that takes you from Marlborough to Swindon if you want to go that way Um, but it joins up with the Ridgeway then the entire route was on the Ridgeway until it reached the Thames Path ironically the Thames Path had some of the steepest climbs including literally the only hill on the entire route I couldn't ride Uh, well to date anyway that I've not been able to ride I have no idea what the percentage was it must have been pushing 20% and it was sort of those slabs <laughs> looked like the Angleru or something anyway the Thames Path hugs the Thames but not quite as flat as a river it kind of goes up and down the banks quite severe though and then at the end it drops into um, Reading then once you reach Reading you've got a few miles of road and uh my hotel for the night and before i went there i stopped in the morrison's car park and gave my bike a second jet wash two jet washes in one day you'd think i was like on a cyclocross team or something to be fair it wasn't super muddy compared to the first day yesterday but i don't like showing up at hotels where i'm going to keep my bike in my room uh covered with mud it probably didn't send a great message even if it is just a cheap chain hotel so yeah anyway as i sit here it's quarter to 10 on day three i've called my bike computer i've done 50k and today with the new extended route is slightly longer than i thought it was going to be anyway and it's going to be 160k so just shy of 100 miles the good news is that quite a lot of the first part of the ride this morning has been on roads and sort of minor b roads and things so that means you can make slightly faster progress that said i started at seven o'clock this morning so that's two and three quarter hours 50k which isn't exactly pushing it um or rather it is pushing it but it's not um as fast as you could obviously do on a road bike uh just on roads and i'm not kidding myself it's going to be the same all the way through the last part is along south downs way so that could be tougher going so anyway i'm going to push through and uh hopefully well we'll get we'll get to back to winchester before the last train back to london <laughs> i guess that's my deadline <laughs> i should talk to you a little bit about my kit 
Don't worry, I'm not going to stray too much into the realm of Tom Wally and Lizzie Banks, but I'll tell you what I'm riding and what I'm carrying. My bike is my Canyon in flight, which is a few years old, was bought as a cyclocross bike. Fear not, it has never done any cyclocross. It's my winter bike, it's my runaround bike, it's my do-everything bike, and it's really capable of all of that. I have put on some 40mm Maxxis tyres, which I mentioned the other day, and they've got a reasonably good tread on them, and that's been essential actually, so uh, that's pretty good. The wheels are actually some I built myself as trekking wheels using DT Swiss components, so they're pretty bomb-proof, frankly. Uh, I built the wheels when I was somewhat heavier as I was previously explaining so there's no problem carrying both me and my lighter weight and all the weight of my bags. Speaking of bags, uh, I've got three bags. I've got an Ortlieb bar bag uh, which has got my tent in it, basically just my tent. Then I've got a frame pack, also Ortlieb, and that's got my tent poles because they're quite long too long for the bar bag to get within my uh, bars my tools some spare tubes some food and then i've got a seat pack quite a big one 16 and a half liter and that's got clothing that's also got my sleeping bag and my sleeping mat and a few other bits and bobs then there's a really useful thing for the front of my um, handlebar bag there's a thing that Ortlieb called the accessory bag and that's where I've got all my kind of bits and bobs that I need to get to throughout the day and that kind of hooks on really neatly so um, actually I've been pretty satisfied with the way the bags have all worked lots of straps and things to hold everything there's a nice thing on the back of the seat pack that you can load in any jackets on the top uh, during the day and yeah it's been it's, it's pretty good setup actually I'm quite pleased with it I've also got a tiny little top tube bag which I put my camera in so I want to grab that and take photos quite easily so anyway no no backpacks or anything like that I've got space still for two water bottles which has been fine it's not not been so hot that I've sort of found myself dying of thirst in between places where I can refill my bottles but yeah so that that's basically the kit bike is largely behaving okay we got through that little local difficulty of my front brake my front derailleur probably could do with a bit of an adjustment at the moment but we'll live with that and uh, persevere through so anyway uh, yeah I've got about another 110k to go at this point which sounds immensely doable before, since it's before 10 o'clock in the morning but I know that's not going to be quite as easy as all that speak later Right, whereabouts are we now? Well, the noise you can hear in the background is the sound of the A3, which cuts right down past Queen Elizabeth Country Park. So I've made it to the South Downs Way. Uh, I'm on 109 kilometres on my uh, Garmin. So it's roughly 50k to go and it's about quarter to three. I'm sitting outside the very well-appointed sort of cafeteria they've got here at the uh, QE Country Park, which of course is a, something of a mountain biking mecca in this part. Uh, I can see lots of mountain bikes and backs of cars in the uh, car park here. But I am cutting through as swiftly as I possibly can, uh, not doing any detours to do get any rad air or anything like that since my last update i spoke too soon about having the only place i had to get off and push it was a very steep hill climb somewhere in the north downs so it was just sand 
I just couldn't get any traction and I was just uh, getting embedded in so that was a push and then at the Devil's Punch Bowl it was a really nasty steep climb it wasn't so much the steepness of the climb that was fine but you're basically climbing over rubble you need a mountain bike I think to get over that certainly not my tyres I couldn't get any traction you've got things the size of bricks bouncing around and didn't want to completely wreck my wheels or my tyres so I had to go from push there so slightly disappointing but otherwise yeah coped with all of that kind of stuff so I am fueling up now taking on more calories to see me through the last 50k uh, not sure quite how long it's going to take me I would guess six-ish maybe a bit after then I would think depending on how hilly it is and I'm not too sure anyway you'll find out soon The Cycling Podcast is supported by Science in Sport. Science in Sport. Fueled by science. Thanks to Science in Sport for their support of the Cycling Podcast. As a listener to our Explore series, who might be inspired by some of the stories in these episodes to plan your own cycling adventure, you can get 25% off all your Science in Sport products. Go to scienceandsport.com and at the checkout enter the code SISCP25. That's 25% off all your science and sport products at scienceandsport.com with the code SISCP25. That noise you can hear is Southwest Railway's train heading back from Winchester to London and that means I got to the station in fact I got to the station in fairly good time I got there for about 5.30 that said I did round off the edges a little bit towards the end by sticking to some roads rather than doing absolutely everything along the South Downs way I did, a bit, I did a good chunk of it and then as we got close to Winchester I just decided to hit the roads because it would be a bit quicker that all said it was uh, a good day uh, much less muddy than either of the first two days and um, although it's got I think the North Downs were easily the toughest part of it I mean the South Downs aren't easy but um, they're not just trying to get up sand is just like ridiculous anyway I'm pretty pleased with it all I think it's a good vindication of my uh, fitness levels I don't think that in the King Alfred's way I would recommend to anybody but you do need a certain level of fitness at least if you do anything as stupid as to try in three days I think four or even five days would be much more comfortable. It's probably also easier if you book into accommodation and don't have to carry camping gear and so on. As it turned out, I was carrying my tent and I only camped for one night, so I was carrying a lot of superfluous gear that you know I could have quite easily have just booked into a hotel, I guess, and uh, had done with that and had a lighter load. So uh, something to think about next time round. On the other hand, I do like being self-sufficient and uh, doing something a little in a little bit more in the wilds or so on is quite good fun. The bike handle itself fine. I didn't have any technical problems. I was amazed I managed to come round puncture-free. I think that's those tyres which I got ones with some pretty solid tyre walls because I ha- was worried about some of the flints kicking off and splitting tyres and so on there so it's something to watch out for there are some rough bits and that's probably the toughest riding I've ever put that bike through 
I'd be happy doing it on a mountain bike and I think when it's been really wet and horrible I think a mountain bike might be the better option I know it's a gravel adventure gravel bike packing designed route but I'm not sure that a mountain bike wouldn't be the best bet if you can put bike packing type bags on a mountain bike I think that's probably the the best best combination few other memories that I'll take away with me from this trip an awful lot of wildlife from little roe deer wandering around the streets of Reading to the soaring birds of prey particularly the one that basically followed me along a good stretch of the Ridgeway that was pretty amazing I managed to stop and help fix uh, a kid's v-brakes quite pleased to get that sorted and I saw no fewer than two different film shoots but I don't know what either of them are only other weird thing was uh, coming across a soldier in the middle of a wood just sitting there, squatting there, looking I think it's sort of not far from Aldershot and I think it's some kind of training thing I looked at him, he didn't acknowledge me he was just a soldier in the middle of a bridleway I carried on strange Anyway, I've just been totalling up a few of my stats for the three days of the ride. I did a total of 359k, so slightly more than the 350, even though that I did round a bit at the end. That's because, um, particularly at Marlborough, I was staying a fair distance off the route. I did it all in 22 hours and 7 minutes. No way would I be trying that in one go. I know people have done that. Absolutely not. I climbed a cumulative 4,537 metres. Um, it's got to be said, days one and three were those the big two there with near t- nearly 2,000 metres on each of those two days and only 800 odd on the, uh, in the middle day. And I burned 12,827 calories. I think two 5,000 calorie days is uh, a record for me. I certainly did not stint on my snacking or uh, feeding, although, again, just because to keep things speeded through today, lunch today did consist of a meal deal at an MS in BP service station, so not the meals of the stars I think I shall eat well tonight when I get in anyway thank you very much for joining me on this journey I hope perhaps a few of you will think about doing something similar or doing the same thing I saw as I arrived at the station at the end I saw three guys getting their photos taken as they were about to embark on King Alfred's way I, I asked them if they were about to do it and yes they were they they had a lot of gear <laughs> too much gear I'm not sure I mean they I think they were staying in, they weren't camping either and I did mention the first stage was quite muddy but I didn't want to put them off too much particularly as there's a bit of rain forecast for this weekend so they're going to uh, I think they might feel it I don't I, this is not a fun route to do in the wet I think on a gorgeous sunny day or you know gorgeous sunny week it would be absolute bliss being out there in the hills but you know when you're getting pummeled by the rain you're quite in those exposed sections nah, not a great deal of fun anyway that's it from me I hope you've enjoyed this and uh, maybe I'll speak to you again some other time I've talked in this episode a bit about weight loss, and I'm not a doctor. It's always wise to seek medical advice before embarking on serious weight loss or fitness regimes. We're all aware that weight issues are a serious area within cycling, both for amateur and professionals. And what worked for me might not be right for you, and vice versa. But perhaps this episode of Explore might, in some small way, help someone out with some of their weight goals. You have been listening to an episode of Explore from the Cycling Podcast. It was produced and presented by me, 
Adam Bowie.